What month is this? <laughs> Episode 52 of the Anchor Me Farm podcast. I'm Brian. I'm Kara. And we're once again on the couch with dogs that are not quite settled. As usual. So you're going to hear jingling of collars that we haven't removed yet until they settle. And then they'll be quiet while we speak. It'll sound normal. And then Aberdeen will start snoring. <laughs> so that's the life cycle. Or Castle will start growling. Castle might start growling because she... Castle sticks her tongue into everyone's brains through their ears and cleans all their ears. And they end up with beautifully cleaned ears. But she also... Aberdeen mimics Castle and starts to clean Castle's ears, which we all think is great because that means everybody gets clean ears. Uh, but Castle growls because she, I guess she gets tickled or something. I don't know. She doesn't move her head away. She just sits there, allows it to happen, and growls. I guess maybe she's doing it wrong. I don't know because Aberdeen is kind of a fierce licker. She's yeah. mostly pug. And Probably too hard. Yeah. Ears are sensitive. So, we don't have a particular topic this it's, time. It's been another crazy week, it feels. Yeah, we're coming up on a holiday because my corporate job gives me President's Day off. So, tomorrow I don't have to go to my day job. Because uh, th- we record this on Sundays. And I'm in the position of a lot of people with land. I, I, what do I do on my day off? Like, things that I normally wouldn't be able to do because I'm working, right? Um, I think I'm doing, normally I would do the groceries on a work day. Kara orders them online. I go pick them up. It's it's a wonderful service. Basically, the Hannaford here, they have a person walk around the store with a big cart, and they shop for several people. I think every Hannaford employee that you see with one of those big carts represents like six customers. So, the population inside the store, if you're walking around, is a lot less. And you might think, hey, you're in Maine. How much population could there be? Well, it's everybody for miles around goes to that same store. So it's basically the only time you get a crowd in Maine. Yeah, grocery stores have really caused such an anxiety with me. Like It's happened long before. I think it really hit, it really hit when we were at Oad Island, though. Yeah. As we would go to the market basket and we called it the apocalypse basket because it was in Massachusetts. We had to go to Attleboro to go grocery shopping because that was the closest. Is Attleboro, is Attleboro and South Attleboro are those two different towns? Oh, they might be. Sorry, same difference to me because in South Carolina there's Charleston and there's North Charleston. And those are two different towns. There's yeah, Columbia sure. and West Columbia. Those I'm are- sure they have two different zip codes, but <clears throat> we didn't live there. We couldn't afford it. So Basically, if you're in the northern side of Rhode Island, you're around Providence, Rhode Island. And we were six miles north of Providence. And getting to Providence was a huge, big deal. The it traffic felt, was... Yeah. Ugh. It felt like driving across country. It was so stressful. And the market basket was, was like less than 10 miles away. It because was like two miles away. Not two. It was more than two. No, it's where you you rode your bike. No, no, to train station, not to the not to the area. market basket. Was it? Yeah, right across the street. It was two miles from the house. Yeah, because I walked there once. It was definitely not ten miles. Jeez. 
It, all right. So you could tell how emotionally traumatized we are by this location. The The way it would work is, and we've talked about this before, I think, but I would basically bicycle in the morning to the train station because it costs $6 a day to park at the train station. And everybody in Pawtucket, Rhode Island gets on the commuter train and goes into Boston to work. Like it's hugely busy. And the train station is like five feet across the state line. The, the, the train station is like as far south as you can possibly be and still be in Massachusetts. So Pawtucket is like a, it's almost like an entire commuter town. And to go to the store, we would drive across the line into South Atterboro, Massachusetts. And it was just half of Rhode Island was going in there. A bunch of Massachusetts was going in there. It was always super, super duper busy. It was insanely busy. We just, it was super stressful for both of us. Uh, but I but, think I had anxiety with groceries even before then. I don't know. It just seemed like people would ram their carts into me and not even notice. It was, was just, it was manageable before that. It happened but in steadily, Vermont too. Yeah. It just, but it was mm. still, you were able to manage it before Rhode Island. I, I feel like you had a certain amount of it that you could put up with and you probably had another couple of years before you were done, but Rhode Island used it all up. Yeah. Now I get anxiety, almost panic attacks. Like, it's pretty bad. Any big, crazy, crowded place. Yeah. And when you live out in the boonies and you don't deal with a lot of people at once, even I get to the point where I get a little stressed in the grocery store, which is unacceptable because I'm the one that drives the car, so i got to be able to deal with crowds. So I'll make sure that I go out regularly and get out of my comfort zone once in a while so that I don't develop any kind of problem. <laughs> But I feel like in Kara's case, eventually she was going to get to this place where she's at now. But I think I honestly think you would have lasted another two or three years if not for Rhode Island. Maybe. It's It was too much at once. It was both of us decided we'd had enough and we wanted to get away from large cities and people. Man. Even Boston wasn't that much of a trouble. It's just everything in Rhode Island was like – it's like they designed the whole place – to have large amounts of people, but then they got 30% more people than that. So it was overloaded. But if you go to the southern Rhode Island, which is about, about I don't know, about uh, two to three miles to get to the uh, other end of the state. <laughs> Arms reach away. <laughs> you can wave at people in southern Rhode Island from Providence. Like, hey, how you doing? <laughs> But the, but the thing is, it doesn't feel like a small state because you're dealing with so many people and so much traffic. So it takes longer to get everywhere. Yeah. and But then you get to southern Rhode Island and there's farms and stuff. Very expensive because they're in short supply. But you get to open areas and you drive past places where there's wind turbines and other cool things. And it just feels very open. It's just in the northern side of Rhode Island, it's all crammed in, you know. A lot of the job offers that I, when I was looking for a job, a lot of the offers were in, I think, Warwick? Yeah, that seems to be the hot spot in town. Which is basically past Providence, and then it was like 20 miles away or something? I don't even know. It, it was Probably. not too it far, far, but it wasn't close. 
But the problem is you have to fight through all of Pawtucket and fight through all of Providence and then drive a good ways to get to Warwick. And it was yeah. like, no, no, I'm not doing it. <laughs> doing that every day. Although their bus system was very good, I must say, because I relied on that a lot. Yeah, there's always good things to say about any place where people live. It's just a matter of whether that place is good for you personally. Whether you, and it wasn't for us, it was just the end of the road for high pop, high population density. We were done with that many people per square mile, and we were ready to come back to Maine and. We didn't even go back to the kind of Maine that we'd lived in before because we lived in Portland, which is the most populated, dense city in Maine. Yeah. And then we lived in Bath, which is a, a small place, a little looser. Yeah, a little quaint town. Yeah. So, but then to go back to the city, sorry, but well, no, yeah, it wasn't a city. <laughs> well, it's kind of like the Vermont rule, right? Like Burlington, Vermont is the largest city in Vermont. But I don't think of a lot of these places in Vermont as cities. But if you set the bar where we think of, then Vermont would have no cities of any kind. Yeah, that's true. So you got to back off and let them have their <laughs> cities. Yeah. Plus, it's it's kind of like you tend to think of the downtown as the city when the land that the city controls sprawls out and it contains like the suburb area. Yeah. And so there's stuff, but... We ultimately didn't want to stay in Rhode Island. It, it just kind of stressed us both out. And we were thought about Connecticut for a while. We've told that story. But when we came back to Maine, we went further out than we've ever gone before. It was really not that far out. Like, No, it's only 10 miles from the capital city. No, I'm saying like we were on the coast for most of the time we were in Maine. Obviously, we're not native to Maine, but there are a lot of other areas we could have gone. But Windsor is central. We're in central Maine. We're yeah. not like way out in the middle of nowhere or way up north by the Canadian border, something crazy no. like that. But Kara would have been fine with a much more rural place. <laughs> I still kind of wish. We, we could have gotten... <laughs> We could have gotten more land and more stuff for the money if we'd gone further out, but we would have had no internet and I wouldn't be able to work remotely. That was really what anchored us to this part of the state is there had, there had to be good internet. And with it wasn't because of this part of the state. It was, there weren't, so remember it was 2020 when we were looking. Right. Peak of COVID and there weren't, tons of selection that filled our requirements because it oh, had to be right. had to be under a certain amount because we can't afford a lot and there had to be land and for my purposes we had to have at least a couple of outbuildings because initially we wouldn't be able to afford and I wanted to get started with the farm and nonprofit right away right because in that first mm -hmm. the first summer we had no animals yeah. And then winter came, and before spring, when we got the first goats, all I had to do was build a fence, which was a big deal to me at the time, but now I don't think of it as that big of a chore because yeah. I'm more experienced. But we didn't have to build a building or buy a building. Right. We could just do the fence and bring them in. And the house had to have two bathrooms. That was a requirement. And a kitchen that was closed off. That was the biggest obstacle and our searching was to find a kitchen 
that would suit the needs for the home license because it has to be closed off from the rest of the house. It's so frustrating to be looking at old houses and then these like TV show watching people come through with their open concept and knock down as many walls as they can. Yeah. And what if we want walls? <laughs> walls are good. They serve a purpose. There was a video on TikTok where this woman was, she was doing a, a sketch, a little comedy sketch about House Hunters 2050. <laughs> and she was talking about open concept like it was some crazy thing that people used to do. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yes, yes, agreed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't understand it. You might like it to watch your children, but I mean, people survived way back when. They had closed rooms. It's easier to heat if you have closed rooms. I mean... And you don't... It's less renovation because you don't have to knock down as stuff. And they always have to put a beam across yeah, to support want, the weight. You don't want your second floor coming in on your first floor. So Because they always want to take out a load-bearing wall. That's Aberdeen, by the way. Sure, she goes snoring. <laughs> Wouldn't be our podcast without Aberdeen snoring. Yeah. But we had, we had looked at, I forget which town it was in. Was it Auburn? So it was a place that was that the previous owners had horses before. Yeah. And it was nine acres. And ten it was acres. Ten acres. And it was already Mark, already had a lot, of, a lot of horse fencing. And it was relatively flat. And, yeah. And we couldn't get it because the we didn't know the trick at the time of... Well, we didn't know this was a trick, but apparently right. in Maine, it is a trick. Right. Get a real estate agent that is physically close to the property you want. Because real estate agents, we, we should do another real estate episode soon. <laughs> yeah. But as a reminder, real estate agents don't do all that much. Yeah. I mean, they do negotiate for you. And Sometimes. There is... Well, yeah, the, the job description of a real estate agent is they advocate for you and they negotiate for you and they get a commission, so they are encouraged to get you uh, a good deal. But in reality, your own real estate agent kind of is a little bit incentivized to get you to pay more on the house because the commission's based on the price of the house. Yeah. And they split that commission with the other realtor. So if you pay more for the house, your real estate agent gets more money. Exactly. Which is like problematic, I guess. <laughs> oh, for sure. But there's also a lot of other things where we talked about selling our house in Rhode Island in, in one of the real estate episodes where we had the lazy real estate agent that always lets the other person do the work. And the other, the buyer also had the lazy real estate agent that lets the other agent do the work. Yeah. So nobody was doing the work. Ugh. There were both of these guys on both sides of the equation were idiots and lazy idiots. I'm surprised we actually got it closed before yeah. the big What a chaos. nightmare. Oh my gosh. What a nightmare that was. And he got indignant with me too and I had to I was not patient with him anymore. I, I lost patience, but but the the point is you need to get a real estate agent after you find the place. You should look for the place online yourself. Because don't, they don't do that for you anymore. Yeah, that's television. That doesn't happen. Not in their realm of things they do. <laughs> All they do is a quick search on the internet on your behalf. 
That's it. And, and they, they go on uh, whichever real estate site and print out. MLS, the, basically. Is it MLS or do they just go to Redfin or something? No, they do MLS. Because sometimes I feel like they get whichever thing was or quickest. Zillow, or Zillow. Or yeah. Zillow. Like whichever was easiest. If MLS takes them a couple extra seconds, they'll just use Zillow. <laughs> but it, whatever's laziest. And they'll just print out from the internet the comps, like the comparable prices in the neighborhood. But when they would print that out and hand that to us and Kara would look at it and immediately get furious. Well, this is when we were selling, not buying. Well, well, all right. Whichever transaction, what I'm talking about is they would hand you a stack of papers that they printed out from the internet of the comps. And when you flipped through them. And let's, the comps are comparable sales that have already gone through in that neighborhood that so, may or may not have the same amount of bedrooms, uh, bathrooms, square footage. But that's the thing, is <laughs> the whole purpose of the comps is to give you a sense of how much you should expect to sell or buy or whatever in this neighborhood. And the you would think that you would find out how what are houses like yours going for in this neighborhood. But they would hand Kara a stack of papers and she would look in and all the houses would be like, totally different from each other yeah there was nothing common to any of the houses and she would just like this is a waste of time this just you handed me a waste of time of my time yeah <laughs> she would get so mad nothing like i understand if they had the same number of bedrooms or bathrooms that would be comparable to the house we are selling because normally you only get those if you're selling your house so you can figure out the price to set it at yeah but they were giving us like two bedroom or the square footage would be half. I'm like, they, I don't care. They couldn't be bothered when they did their web search. They put in like, I don't know, two mile radius or something. Yeah. But they couldn't be bothered to put more filters in their web or search. Or to actually look at them before printing them and giving them. Yeah. So. They, I'm sure you can do your web search and say, <laughs> I need two bedrooms. I need this range of square feet. I need that. You could filter down your search, right? Too much trouble. They didn't bother. They just yeah. like radius and <laughs> that's it. They're done. So basically you have to get, you, you figure out which house you want and then you choose a real estate agent that is physically close to that place so that they're willing to go there. <laughs> yeah, so that was the problem with the Auburn. I believe it was Auburn. Uh, Auburn's a little more west of where we are now, I think. I'm not positive. I'd have to look that up. Sorry. I think it is, though. It's a little more western towards... It's like... Uh, I'm not sure if it's more rural in here or not. No, it's not. It's more city because it's near Lewiston. Oh, okay, okay. So Auburn and Lewiston are kind of like joined twins at the hip, basically. They're... So we'd be pretty close to infrastructure there, too. Yeah. So this house... So it was probably perfect. Yeah. But the... So this house had actually two kitchens. One I could have used for... The bakery and the other we could use for our personal use. It was like split into one of those. Was it a mother-in-law thing? Or? I think, I don't even know because we weren't able to look at it. I just saw pictures and description. 
but so it probably would have been perfect of course it needed work and stuff but 10 acres and it had some outbuildings and flat land and it was on a busy street apparently so the real estate agent gave us the excuse oh you won't like it it's on a busy street which we're going to have a farm shop, so we want a busy what? street. It, so basically, we got into to a dispute with this guy in this house. This is the guy who actually sold our high street house in Bath. So we we're trying to use him for both so it would be easier and he'd have more incentive to help us. because Right. But he but, wasn't willing to go out there. Yeah. And he just made excuses why we'd probably get into a bidding war and probably wouldn't be great and blah, blah, blah. And that house is where we learned this lesson. Yeah. So we didn't know, like, like now if that happened to us, we'd be like, no, dude, we want that house. That's the one. Do you, if you don't want to deal with us, we can get another real estate agent and we would probably just get another real estate agent immediately. Or we would just go ourselves and represent ourselves because... Well, that was during COVID. We'd have to go all the way to Maine. That's true. We're in Vermont. So yeah. yeah. So we would have chosen a real estate agent like as close as possible to that physical place so the agent would be able to, willing to go. Yeah. But we didn't know that yet. That's That's where we learned that. <laughs> So it's frustrating to us because we look back and there's nothing we could do. I guess it's frustrating for me because we had the information right after that. Like that's where we learned it. So after that, we're like from now on we do X, Y, Z. And it just feels like the fish that got away. I mean, would that have been a better house for us? Who knows? I mean, everyone's like, well, there's always a reason, but... It would have been nice to find uh, out. It would have been nice to actually be like, oh, yeah, maybe that's – at and least look at it, right? He yeah. could have gone there and done a Zoom call for us. That's at all we asked the day, for. The guy just wasn't willing to drive out there. That's yeah. really what it was about. He was about. in Bath, and that was in Auburn, so it was probably 45 minutes away. It is 45 minutes away, so God forbid. you know. Yeah, so he wasn't willing. I know, Castle. <laughs> See, so just talking about this guy. <laughs> yeah, so frustrating. <laughs> she is so ornery today. Ornery? Uh, irritable. Oh, well, there's nothing new with her. <laughs> and between Kasla <laughs> growling because there's something she hears or thinks that well, she doesn't like. Well, the ducks and chickens have come up to the back area. They're venturing out now that some of the snow has melted. You can hear. <laughs> right. So there's all kind of animals. There's. I don't know if the mic picked that up, but the. Hopefully the are, it did. Yeah, the ducks are doing their thing from our intro. They're laughing. <laughs> <laughs> they're so funny. Which, for all we know, they're swearing. We don't know what we'll duck call language. It laughing. Yeah, it sounds like a laugh. It does. We'll be walking around and something won't go right, and then the ducks will go whack, 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 whack. Like it's not funny. <laughs> It's comical. <laughs> but we wound up here. So, yeah, it was between this house. There's another house in Bethel that we were looking at that's actually closer to Vermont because that's way west. It's like on the border of Bethel. Bethel. Is that the one that had all, had all the asbestos? Yeah, it did. Oh, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> By that point, we'd <laughs> learned what asbestos looked like. Yeah. And we were, we were looking at pictures. Pictures. Because we were in Vermont still, so we were looking at pictures, 
And this is what freaks us out because these are the pictures you're using to advertise your house so that people can buy it. And we're flipping through the pictures and going, asbestos, asbestos, asbestos. Now that we know what it looks like, it's very important if you are looking for a house, you should look up what does asbestos look like because a lot of times they might not disclose it even though legally they are supposed to. Yeah. So that's what happened to one of our Connecticut houses. Yeah, they had so much asbestos in the basement. And they didn't disclose that. And, and as it gets old and starts flaking off, because the <laughs> asbestos is like, it's it's toxic, first of all. It's like, it's bad in a thousand different ways. But the primary thing that people worry about with asbestos is they worry about little pieces of it flaking off into the air and breathing the particles of it because it can tear you up. It's really bad news. It's... It's like pretty much everything you can imagine that's bad, asbestos is. Uh, but it was really good as as a, a fireproofing agent. So back in the I forget when they I forget when they banned it, but for a long time it was used to as a as a fire resistant material all over the place. And then eventually science caught up with it and and said, This is terrible stuff. Aberdeen, come on. So like We don't want to wake her up because then she's a pill, but she's so loud. But basically, Aberdeen... Uh, it was banned in 1989. 1989. Okay. So before that, asbestos was everywhere, right? And it has to be sealed up. Like if asbestos is inside a wall or something, as long as you never open that wall and you never allow the, the particles to get in the air, you're safe, right? But it's still there. So it's crazy. Asbestos can either be covering pipes. They use it to cover pipes to warm them or to insulate. insulate them. Yeah. But it can also be found in tiles. There's a specific tile. I think it's eight, <laughs> eight by eight or I think, some. I think you're right. The eight inch by eight inch tiles. Yeah. We'll look that up They're and put it in the description. Very specific tiles you got to look out for in the older homes that they made them out of asbestos and tiles are known to crack over age. Once yeah, they so, age, so now, it's like those crack. are very fire resistant, <laughs> so they're great if you just don't want the fire to get past them, but for all the other reasons, you know. And that one house in Connecticut or walk in the basement and they're wrapped in all the pipes and they're old and if you just bump the pipe and shake it, the asbestos will flake off. Oh so it's, it's already but it, it wasn't in the description. Yeah, it was already in bad shape. And in the Bethel house, I don't think it was... I think that house in Connecticut uh, that we're talking about was the worst one because not only were all those pipes in the basement covered in asbestos, but they were old and beat up. Yeah. Uh, whereas in Bethel... They it, looked okay. They looked okay, but it's like they were exposed to the air. Like if, if, if you walked up and tapped on that pipe... If any of the asbestos flakes came off, I mean. But who really wants to deal with that? For it's a hazard in the our basement. Price point, we wouldn't be able to remediate. Remediate. Remediate that, and that would have to be done because health issues. It's such a big deal because they have to make sure that there's no particles in the air while they're working. That's why, it, whenever they say asbestos remediation is real expensive, they put like. Oh my God, I can't believe I was about to say this. Um, 
I was about to say, remember in E.T. <laughs> when the government came and bubbled up the house. Oh, my gosh. And then it occurred to me that... Most there, people have not seen that movie. There are multiple generations <laughs> of people who have no idea what I'm talking about. It's, <laughs> I feel like I'm a thousand years old. But yeah. there's an old movie called E.T. It had an alien in it. And it was when, like one of the first alien movies. When the, when the government found out that the alien was there, it, it, and it's a nice alien. Uh, the government was like worried about you know, diseases and stuff. And they're kind of right to worry about diseases and stuff. From an alien, <laughs> yeah. I mean, but they they put a big plastic bubble over the house, or like any hazmat precautionary. They always do the big tent thing. Yeah, so they put a tent I'm over sure you've everything. Seen it on news, and, and there's stuff. fans because they want to create negative pressure in and the they house. They make these little shower type things for the people coming in and out. Yep, yep. So basically, you you have to make sure that. If there's any particles in the air, they get pulled in this one direction. So they have fans going through these air, these um, tubes or hoses or whatever you want to call them. And it creates like negative – when I say negative pressure, it's like the air is always being pulled out of the house. So if anything floats up in the air and is flittering around, it gets pulled towards that intake and through those filters. And they do all of that. To make sure that if they accidentally crumble up some asbestos while they're working, that the particles of asbestos get pulled out. And it's a huge deal, and it has to be professionally done because if you're not a professional, you're probably gonna expose <laughs> you're gonna expose yourself or someone else, or you're gonna leave some behind. Questions: How much do these people get paid? And what is their health insurance? Oh, like? God. This is the United <laughs> States. They probably get paid almost Crap. nothing, and they have no health insurance. They probably and they, make... like, risk their lives yeah. every day. The boss gets, like, massive money, and the workers probably get, you know, crap. Au contraire, as we edit the podcast, they don't get nothing. Uh, the average uh, wage for a, an abasement worker for asbestos in Maine is twenty four fifty two an hour comes out to 51 grand a year and another page on the same website says the average is 28 an hour so you're going to make like over 20 bucks an hour but nowadays that's not enough that's still not you can't afford anything with that amount of salary you can make the same amount not risking your life somewhere so yeah yeah that's true you can kind of like get in a restaurant or something and and not risk breathing little knives into your lungs. And have health issues for the rest of your life. So. Yeah, I feel like they should make more. They should uh, make like $50 an hour. Sorry. Yeah, I feel like, but, but the thing is, the price of the abatement and the remediation should not be higher. No. The, the company and the boss should get less money and the workers should get more. That's how that should work out. Yeah. But still, like. Ridiculous. They don't make like minimum wage or anything, but, but it's still not enough. <laughs> but it's still not enough to justify <laughs> risking knowing what they have to know and risking what they're risking. Yeah, it's, I wouldn't do it. Yeah. All right, so back to the show. I mean, but it, it's a professional thing, and and you have to pay top dollar to get it done. It's it's bad news. You see asbestos, it's like, ooh. Yeah, just. <laughs> I mean. Because yeah. you're not going to leave it. No. You can't leave it. No. 
I mean, and then if it is disclosed in the details when you're looking for a house, chances of the seller to take care of it for you are slim to none. Yeah. So you take on that responsibility if you buy that house. Just imagine something in your house that's perfectly safe and fine unless something touches it. Yeah. <laughs> like, like the first time anything touches it, you're in a lot of trouble. Or just as the years go by and things degrade, eventually you're in trouble anyway. And when I say trouble, it's like massive trouble. <laughs> This, it, there's, there's no, if you're, in fact, if, if you had some kind of phobia of asbestos, I wouldn't, I would like deny that it's a phobia. I was like, no, that person is being reasonable. That is a rational. And that is legit. That is a legit fear. That's not a phobia at all. There's, I don't think it's possible to have a phobia against asbestos. It's too, it's, it's too much of a correct rea reaction to something. <laughs> yeah. How it even became a thing. I was never. Well, because they found out, I mean, it's. They found out it was fire resistant. Well, I understand that. But and they didn't check stuff. In the 50s, they did all kind of stuff. In, in the 40s and 50s, they'd find some chemical that did something, and they just put it out there. They didn't have all this safety stuff or regulation. It's just crazy. Even now, you got people, like, anytime you hear somebody say the phrase, regulation after regulation, just you're run away. You're in trouble. Uh, because you need regulations. I mean, there's a limit to things. There's a reasonable amount of regulation that's good. And, like, maybe more than that is bad, but less than that is also bad. And with, with stuff like asbestos, the first time you got a rich guy that doesn't want to spend any money, you know, you, you end up with difficulty enforcing something. And you have to bring the power of the government down to force that guy to fix it, you know, whatever it is. Speaking of, I mean, I guess we're doing some real estate kind of episode anyway now, right? It's a rambling episode. We can do whatever we want. So we've talked about they're building a house across the street from us. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of finished, right? The structure is up. The inside's not so done yet, but it's for sale. Um, they put it on the market and... It's got like how many acres? 2.5 acres, which okay. is all woods because when they built it, they had to cut down a lot of the trees. They had to clear a spot for the house. They had to clear. And then the rest is all woods. And there's no basement. So they started building it. What month is this? Crap. This February. is February now. We don't even know. I don't even know. I think they started in... November, I want to say. October, November, perhaps. It was late in the season. It's like, probably October. It was It was basically, <clears throat> they were breaking ground in the fall and getting started in the fall. Because I remember us saying, are they going to build that during, during the winter? During winter? Like, <laughs> we thought maybe they were going to clear it out and get it all ready and set themselves up for success in the spring. Oh, but, oh no. <laughs> because I could see that. I could yeah, see like... that would make sense. Yeah, pushing through the fall and maybe into the winter a little bit to get rid of trees, to to, to mm -hmm. like flatten everything and yeah. bulldoze stuff. I get it. Like it's make cool. the land flat for... All that would be stuff. fine. But we're like, are they going to build it in winter? And then there was... What was it? It was like 30... 
it wasn't super cold, but it was below freezing. It was below 32. Well, at it was night, like, it would get single digits. Double, sometimes single, but but definitely Most low teens. But it was, very, it was very cold. But during the day, in the hottest part of the day, it was still like below freezing. Yeah. And they were pouring concrete. And concrete needs, yeah. uh, I think, was it 45? At least. 45 degrees or above for concrete to set properly. And they were never within, they were never even within 15 degrees So we're talking about the foundation of this house. Yeah. Yeah. So they were never <laughs> within 15 degrees of the bare minimum temperature at their best. And they were laying it during the day, and then it's supposed to cure it. When is it supposed to cure? Because if there's any moisture in there, because you mix it with water, and it's just it's, it's just, just a nightmare. It's gonna freeze, and it's gonna expand, and it's gonna crack super fast. And that is the foundation of the house right now. Because water, all right. So water has. <laughs> She's going to laugh at me now. Water has a polar structure. Water molecules, you know, hydrogen and oxygen. If you look at the... All right, she's... Sorry. She's distracted because one of our goats... Arklo is playing with a stick. He's playing with a stick and he's flipping it around and it's cute. But if you look at a diagram of a water molecule, it's like a little boomerang. It's what we call polar. It's positive on one side, negative on the other. And when water freezes it forms kind of a on paper you would draw a hexagon and basically it's like a crystalline structure with space in the middle and it takes a lot of energy for that to collapse and mingle so that's why water like a lot of stuff when it freezes it contracts it gets smaller but water is different water forms that crystal so water actually expands when it freezes and you've got all this moisture in the concrete and you're never supposed to get below freezing because you don't want to deal with the, with water freezing and expanding. So the structure of the concrete is compromised because that water has expanded and it's going to contract when it melts. So it's going to change its volume. Luckily, so, it hasn't been warm enough to melt yet, except during Valentine's Day weekend, but that was only two days, and now it, it's back to below yeah, freezing. Yeah, there hasn't been enough time... <laughs> To take that entire concrete slab through oh, a life cycle. It'll probably take a year or two, but then they'll start seeing, whoever buys it, the poor souls, they'll start seeing some ramifications of It's going to start cracking. It's that's. not set properly. It's not as strong as it should be. Um, they're going to have to get foundation work done. And people are so against old houses because there's a crack in the wall and... S- of course, houses settle. But if you built a house and your house starts settling after a year, that's a problem. <laughs> yeah, like like our house is... I keep forgetting how old our 1850. house is. 1850. 1850. So do that math. I don't even I'm not doing that math. I'm not doing it. <laughs> I, they made me do that in school. And then eventually my math got good enough. They gave me a calculator to do it. And it's I was like... like well, okay, the machines will do math for me. Past nineteen fifty, so it's a hundred. I'm just gonna do it in the calculator on my a, phone. Hundred and seven? No, hundred and wait, fifty. Eighteen fifty from twenty twenty four. Hundred and seventy. Oh, it's oh, close. You're so close. <laughs> close. Hundred and seventy four. <laughs> 
See, you did it. You did it. That's hard, though. <laughs> but you still got there. And I, I didn't even try. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, basically, our house has had its troubles over 174 years, and people have addressed those problems over time. These people are going to have problems like us, except they're going to have them after a year or two. Yeah. So that <laughs> that's just the beginning of it, right? So then they had to build the house, so they have all this wood out there, and it's now December, January. And no, some of it was stacks of OSB. December. This is when they were building. It was December. Middle of winter in Maine. Guaranteed there's going to be wet. Either snow, rain, because that's how our season has gone this year. And did they tarp anything? No. No, in a normal Maine winter, if everything had stayed below freezing constantly, the snow is surprisingly dry because it's all frozen and you can sweep it off, right? But this winter was very warm. Temperature was all over the place. It was very wet. It kept going above freezing and below freezing. And then we had that freak storm the week before Christmas because we lost power. Yep. The week. No. Christmas or Thanksgiving? No. It was Christmas, right? Yeah. Christmas. Wait, I think so. Was it? doesn't matter. Oh, Let's my God. On. I don't even remember. Look back at our podcast episode. We did an episode about it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was Christmas. But there was a huge. Oh, no. It was Christmas because it was like. Are we going to, am I going to be able to do these Christmas orders? Right. So. That was a crazy windstorm. Windstorm and rain. It Mm -hmm. was rain and wind and they didn't cover anything. Half their roof wasn't even done yet. So some of the shielding stuff, that paper stuff you put on. The paper that you put on to seal Mm -hmm. against moisture was getting peeled back during the storm. So it was kind of. No, if you had planned for a regular main winter, it still would have been a terrible idea because the 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 concrete. But the rest of it would have been not as bad because, like I said, you could sweep the snow out. But everybody knew that this winter was warm and it was raining. Like whatever plan you made up in the summer for the winter, you know it's gone. You know it's going to be warm and wet. Who came up with the whoever builds houses in the middle of winter in Maine is an idiot. Sorry. Or a scammer because they intend to be gone by the time <laughs> all this stuff happens. Well, and yeah, they they're they going to sell the house and somebody's going to get stuck with it. Uh, so if anybody comes over here and is smart enough to talk to the neighbors, we will tell them all about it. Everybody that drives past, when I say OSB board, we use OSB for a few things. For our animal houses, it's basically particle board. It's it's like glued together. It's like chips of board that are put into like these. These plywood, they're, they're not, it's not plywood. It's, it's like a particle board kind of thing. And it's very vulnerable to moisture. We use it inside the animal houses, yeah. not outside. And they had stacks of it that just got rained on. All their stuff got rained on. I'm sure their drywall got, I mean, it's, and the inside of the house is not even done yet. And it's. What was the price? Look it up. Look it up. Let's okay. give you an exact number. I gotta give you exact so we're, we're looking at this in fascination, and it's interesting to me to see things like when they drill the well. I think that's kind of cool. Uh, it, it's kind of cool. It was to see very them. loud for a very long well, time. Well, yeah, but I, you know, they gotta drill it. So, but it was interesting to see the truck, and it, it was kind of neat to see excavators and other stuff. 
but the time of year was just crazy. Whoever planned to do this in winter knew full well, no matter what, they were going to do probably do concrete foundation below freezing. Yeah. It's only 2.3 acres. Sorry, I think I said 2.5. Yeah, 2.3. And that's 1,500 square feet, two-car garage, three-bedroom, two-bath. I don't know how they fit that all in there. 389900 Way too much. Because we paid, I think, 254000 for our house, and we're 2,000 square feet. With almost seven acres. So, yeah, but but the housing market's gone crazy since then, and well, prices yeah. have gone up for no reason. But well, not no reason, but they've gone up really high. But the, but the thing is, so, the construction is bad. Everything's I promise you, everything's cramped in there. They're well, pulling yeah, tricks for, with the floor plan for making three bedrooms because it's one floor. Yeah, just one floor. It's a ranch. There's no basement. <laughs> so it's all the utilities in a closet. Or are they outside somewhere behind the house? Yeah. Like where the, are you going to put your water heater? Where are you going to put yeah. all that stuff? But you can't do in Maine. You need the furnace and stuff somewhere. So where is it? It's probably going to be... Those <laughs> bedrooms are probably a very small room with a little closet stuck in the corner so that they can call it a bedroom. Yeah. I mean, the pictures aren't great, I got to tell you. But there's a... If you go, I mean, I'm looking on Redfin is my like favorite app for house hunting, but there's another house in our same location area in Windsor that has the same siding and kind of structure type. So I feel like it's the same builders that did did it, and it's still on the market for almost basically four hundred thousand. It's three bedroom, two bath. 1620 square feet, only two acres, and it's been on the market for 137 days. So, obviously overpriced and not that good. Yeah, I feel like the, I don't know, I, I haven't kept track enough, but I, I feel like whenever the prices go up in the housing market, everybody pretends that they're going to go up forever, but eventually the bubble bursts and the prices come down. And people take losses. Yeah. So I don't know when that's going to happen. Mm -hmm. I know that we are planted. We we have... As we, much as I like... He, and he keeps saying how I'd rather have a more remote location. We're, we're here. This is where we're building all the things. So this is our forevers. Yeah, we're planted. We're done. Yeah. <laughs> we're done. I mean... And as, we wouldn't get a better deal anyway. Our interest rate for the mortgage is... It's low. Forget about it. <laughs> it's, it's a ridiculously low interest rate that only happened for a short period during COVID. Yeah, I think and it's, it's two point something. It's two point something. I don't remember the exact number, but... What is it now? Basically, if we had said... If the, if the inspection on this house had gone bad... And it, it wasn't great. Let's yeah, it wasn't right. It wasn't great, but it wasn't bad enough for us to say no. Like there were problems, but it wasn't. There were no deal breakers. If we had abandoned this property, if we had said no to this house, the interest rate would have been several points higher yeah. on the on the very next house. That's how close we were. Yeah, and now it's 
7.892, so basically yeah. 8%, which is it would have been crazy. We got two point something. I feel like the the next house after this one probably would have been four something. Which uh, isn't terrible, but not great. But I'm, I'm talking like we say no on Monday and we look at another house on Friday. It would have been like four something. That's yeah. how... And then if we wait another week, it would have been higher. It it, it went nuts after that. Yeah. It and there was crazy. another offer on this house, but we went a little over asking and wrote a nice letter. I mean, people laugh if you want to write a letter because sometimes that's old school. But a lot of the people selling houses that are older are old school people so yeah so it works it kind of helps and then by the time we started <laughs> doing inspections and checking stuff out and making demands the other buyers were already gone they accepted our offer so they'd be gone anyway yeah but i mean if even if it there was no there was no emotional outlet for them like if they had said well now i'm mad at you and i want to back out those other buyers are long gone oh yeah it's just us if either party had canceled the deal, we would have to start over. Like we would have to start over looking for a house. They would have to start over looking for a buyer. Yeah, I'm in a mess. So at that point, everybody's kind of like interested in making this work. Even though they were hard to. They were difficult. They were difficult. No one liked. The neighbors didn't like me. <laughs> no one liked that. So. But I gotta yeah. say. I wish we and sometimes we I wish we had a flat piece of land so that we easier. don't have to deal with all this mess of being on a hill and make the tractor a lot easier because I am always thinking about my angles driving the tractor out here but having a hill has helped us with flooding. Yeah, we've been lucky, luckier than most where our animals aren't and a swamp, basically. So, I mean, it gets wet, obviously, but the water will run down and they're not standing in high water, which is devastating and can seriously harm your animals. So, Yeah, and because of this really wet year, we went up with, like, I don't know, four to six inches of mud up at the top. and the, It was a lot. <laughs> the the, the shelf-like area that the house is on and that, a lot of our houses are on, like the village that Kara wants to make of animal houses is on the part of the land that isn't as steep and it doesn't get too bad yet. And that area was still in four to six inches of mud. So that's why I kind of want to dig a trench and put a French drain down. And once I do that, the water will have somewhere to go and it'll be a lot easier. So I have mixed feelings about the hill, but... I think overall we've done a little better because of it. Yeah, I think I think it is a lot better. And hills are fun for goats to run down. <laughs> yeah, so think about the lay of the land if you're going to get a place, if you're going to do a farm. And Kara wants to get – we'll talk about animals next podcast, but Kara still wants to get pigs. Yeah, we've been doing more research, and I think he's starting to come around. Yeah, no, we're never yeah, going to get pigs. Yes, we are. Cooties, <laughs> they're adorable. Editor's note, we're talking about CUNY CUNY pigs. It's the smallest breed of pig, I think, that you can get. Yeah, because 
Those miniature mini pigs, they don't really exist. Come on. They're, they're not an There's actual no breed. There's no pocket pig. Right, they're not a real <laughs> breed of pig. Cunicunis are their own actual breed. And pot bellies are small too, but cuny cunies seem to be better suited for our needs, I believe. So Yeah, so that's who we're talking about. Back to the show. <laughs> they do root, by the way. They do, but not as much. And if you if they're in more open space, they won't really. We yeah, we've been looking at videos from people who have them. And when people say they don't root, they graze. That's if you give them a large field of grass, they'll graze because it's easier. Which we would do because they'd be open to everything. Yeah. But uh, they also, if you put them in a smaller area, they do root. So if you need that, that's great. Yeah. I would imagine they don't root as much as the other breeds. They're smaller and they don't tend to do it as much. But yeah, they do enough that if you put them in a reasonably sized area that you want to turn into a garden, they're going to till all that for you. Yeah. So you don't need a, a, a your own tiller. <laughs> Just put the pigs in the area that you want to put a garden next year. And um, they fertilize it for you with their yeah. poop. So basically the place that they live is going to be... And it, it, we're not you wouldn't have to clean their house the same way. And they're very neat. Like There's this misconception about pigs being messy where they'll just... Like pig pens, right? And but, pig styes. Yeah, but they're very courteous of their space. They poo and pee in one area, and then they'll sleep in another, and they don't mess with that. I mean, it's just... I think where that comes from is pigs trying to get wet mud on their bodies because they can't, they can't sweat. Yeah, they don't. So they to keep cool, they'll wallow in some mud because it just kind of helps them keep cool. So you need some baby pools, which we have anyway, because we got ducks. So. Yeah, just give them some way to to get the heat off of them, and they won't have to do that. The question and, is, would they all be in the same pool together? Because how adorable would that be? <laughs> Although so the ducks would probably get mad, be like, "Get out of my pool." The way <laughs> we're gonna do this, if she gets all the animals that she wants, is we're gonna section out areas for them there's going to be a pig area that's fenced in there's going to be a donkey area that's fenced in and we're going to leave those gates open most of the time so the animals can all wander everywhere and mingle but if we ever need to separate them we can so and and for the pigs it's more problematic because you kind of want if you're going to coop pigs up in a smaller area you're doing that because you want them to till that area. You want yeah, them to work. Yeah, we'll get messy. So we're going to have to figure out the ratio of how much land a cuny-cuny needs to not root. And maybe we have enough and it's fine. But if we, but we may decide we want a garden here. And we just put them in there and put them to work. Or we need these plants pushed up. Because they're not good. Yeah. So they've got jobs. They've got jobs. Everybody's got a job. And once we fence out more, there'll be more stuff that they can kind of overturn. Because there's, there's a lot of bushes and stuff. Like those prickly bushes. They could easily get rid of those. Because the goats don't want to touch them. Yeah. I've seen videos of people with like like pretty rough areas. And pigs are just whatever. and They, care. they don't care. <laughs> Like, as long as you give them belly rubs and scratches, 
they'll be good because they'll get all the attention and people always say bad things they'll get out of the fence and stuff but they just want attention so they say that about goats and our goats are hanging out back here with us the only times our goats have escaped and the reason we had to have a double fence in the front which is belfast it's well partly it's because <laughs> belfast but the reason that belfast got past you like two or three times is because there was grass that I hadn't mowed and it was right near the fence where he was looking at it and it was tall grass and he was like, that looks really good. Yeah. And so he would muscle past Kara as she's coming through the gate and he'd run over and eat the grass like just on the outside of the fence. Yeah, Belfast did that I think a couple times and Callan did it. But Callan's main purpose is to be in the house. He will use any opportunity to find a way into the house because he feels he is in house, a house goat. So, there's but they they didn't try to leave the property or anything. No. They didn't try to. They just saw some stuff that they wanted and they went for it. So we just we just haven't had the trouble of animals escaping that other people seem to have because I think we have enough room and we pay enough attention and. They they seem happy enough in their space. Yeah. I mean, the ducks could probably be a little happier if they get their pools back. But soon. I keep telling them spring will hopefully help happen soon. I mean, I don't know. Winter is so long, it feels like. It feels like it's going to be a thousand years before we get anything to melt. <laughs> and then we're going to have mud season. Ugh, which the ducks love, but no one else does. Yeah, we're not fans. <laughs> They're so silly. But I'll be able to... Do some fencing. I'm, I'm, every time I go get supplies from the farm store, as of now, I'm grabbing a couple of two or three T-posts, like metal fence posts, uh, every time I go. And mud season is the prime time to drive fence posts in. The ground is nice and soft. Uh, it hasn't hardened up in summer. So that's something I'm going to be working on as the days get longer. Yeah. If you if you intend to do this, I know everybody tells you check out the land, check out the neighbors, and you don't want to because you're busy and you got a job, but you know you're going to be stuck with this place. Right, you got to actually. So we we couldn't do as much of that because it was COVID, but if you There are restrictions, you're not allowed to do certain things yeah. at that time. So if you are planning to buy a house, especially at the interest rates we have now, it's even more important for you to check everything. Yeah. I mean, it's hard. Like, people might go to the house across the street and they won't even know anything about the foundation. But that's when you ask questions. When was this built? Why was it built during freaking winter in Maine? I mean, simple questions like that will, you know, help but you. would we have known... When we the first time we ever looked at a house, would we have known about the foundation? Probably not, but we only look at old houses. I think the newest house we ever got was the Rhode Island because that's all we could afford. But I just I just mean like, <laughs> and that was like nineteen fifties, but they renovated, so it was a flip. Like, it was a flip, which yeah. wasn't great, but we weren't going to be there long. Right, but but it was a flip by a guy that was. He's he's got a lot of ties in the local area, and everybody knows who he is. 
he was a realtor and uh, I don't want to say mob connections, but I don't know. It's we Rhode Island, know. so you, you're not know. sure. But the, but the <laughs> thing is, he's got a reputation to protect, so he yeah. did flip it and a lot of the stuff was cheap, but everything was up to code and everything was correct. It just wasn't... It wasn't pretty. It wasn't fancy. Yeah. You know, it was just like, boom, you're good. And uh, you could trust the place, uh, but... yeah. But we still made it better before we left, and we we're only there, only there like a year. Yeah, we're there exactly a year. Although the sunroom, I do miss the sunroom. So maybe that was nice. Sunday. That was nice. Yeah. But there were leaks into the basement, and you fixed that. I did fix that. I concreted all of outside, and I painted the walls inside. So sealed all that up. Sealed it up. So not just paint. There's a special paint you get for basement. That seals stuff. So. Yeah. Basically, Kara made the house physically safer and better. So whoever... The person that bought it from us has a much better deal than we had. Yeah. And she <laughs> make, could make rooms downstairs. We didn't get the chance, but totally could. And the outside yeah. was nice. It was fenced in. Because that was... Our main goal was to have a fence-in yard because I couldn't walk the dogs. So, but that's this is all stuff. It, it depends on what your life is like. Are you going to do acres like us? Or are you going to just look for a place to live? I mean, I assume if you're listening to this podcast, you're going to do acres. Or not? I mean, or, we don't know. Well, it's a farm podcast. They're probably looking at land. We're kind of doing all the things on this podcast. <laughs> We're not just talking farm. Whatever your purpose is. A small business, you got to figure out, if you're doing a small business in your house, you got to make sure it works for you if you're buying. Even if apartment, like when we were doing apartments and I was running the previous bakery out of that, that was super hard because no apartment has a closed-in kitchen except that one in Grant Street in Portland, but that was That awful. was a, yeah. That was so awful. I think but, that was an old house that was converted into a place. Well, yeah, it was a, one of those, I forget the term of the house. It was three floors. And, yeah, they converted it. But, I mean, the kitchen had no heat. The back room definitely had no heat. If but, you ever decide to buy a house in Portland, Maine, or rent an apartment, especially in Portland, Maine, <laughs> and you end up around Grant Street near, was it Deer Park? Yeah, uh, I think it was Deer Park. Deer something park. Basically, that's the like slum area. And it, it, we had no idea. Well, we had no idea. We yeah. didn't know until yeah. after we moved in. Oh, yeah, I started there. That's a terrible area. Oh, yeah. okay. And then we look outside the window <laughs> in the morning, and there's just a pair of pants on the sidewalk across the street. Well, no, that was in the park. No, no. No? Oh. I looked out the window one morning, and there was a pair of pants on the sidewalk okay. across the street uh the, the park would be basically where all the homeless people would stay and then winter would happen and they'd abandon their stuff and then in spring there was a lot of spring cleaning before the tourists came yeah uh, but it, it, everyone in portland believed that snowbanks were magical and you could throw stuff into the snowbank <laughs> it would vanish but in, in every <laughs> spring when the snowbanks melted there was all kinds of trash everywhere uh, but the main thing about Grant Street was all the people who owned buildings on Grant Street and rented out apartments were basically slumlords, and none of them ever fixed their buildings, ever. Ugh. And it was common 
Um, and then after we left, I read a newspaper article. Well, it was on the internet, so it wasn't a newspaper, but I read an article <laughs> that landlords were making people sign a paper saying that they had looked at the apartment and inspected it and it was all safe. Well, they do that and, anyway when you you sign when you accept the apartment and give them the security. Usually it's security first month, last month, so three times. But this was above and beyond. I, but I, I don't How know the, are you supposed to know? I don't know the legal terms as, better, as well as you do, but the the tone of the article was that it was above and beyond, and you basically had to say, I acknowledge everything in this apartment is awesome and good and perfect. And if you didn't sign that paper, you didn't get the apartment. So everybody had to sign the paper. No, and the landlords would just say, hey, you agree that this was awesome. So even if you saw something blatantly out of code... I you, can't remember. We might have had to do that with our tent, though. I think it's legally you have to have that paper or something like it. They they have to look like in, they do their first impression inspection. Obviously, they can't inspect it like a regular house inspector, but they look over the property and it is in this condition. I'm good. I am going to well, sign yeah. off on it. You're talking about so that you can compare when the security deposit is ad addressed at the end. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, I wish I knew the legal terminology, but mm -hmm. this was above and beyond and crazy. And the nature of the article was like, this is wrong. What you're talking about is regular stuff that people do. Oh, okay. But, but whatever they were doing was like out of sync and everybody had to sign where they didn't get the property. And basically nobody on Grant Street ever repaired anything or fixed up anything or did any maintenance. So everyone living on the street was in a fire trap and a place that was cold in the winter and hot in the summer. Yeah, and the landlord tried to blame us for not having the heat above standard. We had it. At yeah. standard. There's another podcast we did where we talk about that apartment. Yeah. Uh, and how we beat so, the landlord and scared him. So I'll I'll try to find which episode it is <laughs> and put it in the description. But Kara basically brought out her paralegal skills and I took him to court. Not I didn't we didn't go to court. It didn't need to because I showed we, them. Yeah. Once things got bad <laughs> he brought his lawyer in and I then wrote to his lawyer saying <laughs> Here the here's the proof. <laughs> Once things got bad, Kara's like, okay, we're documenting everything, and and we took pictures of thermometers, and, and, and we documented everything, and I think they sent us a nasty gram, like a nasty letter, and then you sent them a legal brief. Yeah. That was like set up properly, and then the other lawyers like, oh crap, this is a, this is formatted too good. This person knows what she's doing. Crap, and then <laughs> yeah, and then they're like. Okay, you can leave because we just wanted out of release. We just wanted out. We didn't want to stay. And he's like, no. No, I think we wanted money too. No, we didn't. No? No, we just, we wanted, I don't think, I think we wanted our deposit back. But That's we, what it was. We just wanted out. And because we didn't sign a new lease, we were just extending, which means. That's what I it mean, was. We got our deposit. That was the money. We got yeah. our deposit back. And. They were going to keep we everything. Because we left it in good condition. We didn't. It wasn't our fault you had to rip up the back room. They. <laughs> I don't want to rehash this whole thing. <laughs> but they basically built an extra room 
on the, the building. And it was like a box sticking out of the building that was on stilts. And they insulated exterior walls as if they were interior walls. So the, the back bedroom just leaked heat. And in the winter, the, the kitchen never got above like 40, 40 something degrees. Maybe. With the, with the heat blasting, it never, it, it was always cold in there. And then the pipes eventually froze and burst. And, yeah. And they wanted to blame us. But if you ever go to Portland, Maine and you get an <laughs> apartment, if you're, I don't know if Grant Street's any different now than it was then. I suspect not. Just be aware. Yeah. Be aware. So we're well above an hour. Um, and yeah. even after I edit this down, it's still going to be <laughs> over an hour. That's all right. So this is our rambling, mostly real estate episode. There you go. Have that. It don't buy the house across the street. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously, don't. Seriously, don't. No. We're gonna tell anybody that asks us. And they gotta drop the price at least by a hundred thousand. So let's be real. We'll, we'll see, see what they do. We'll see. All right. So un- until next time, have a good whatever you're doing. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>